Welcome back to another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I'm your host, Paul Randack. Uh, this is episode two of The Ketamine Files, which is a series that we started a few weeks ago to talk about the use of ketamine in the mental health treatment. And sometimes we discuss other areas um, of psychedelic research and methodology, but we do not in any way prescribe what people should do or shouldn't do with their lives um, when it comes to the use of these substances. Uh, I am joined today by Rita Rutland, who is a colleague and a friend and is the founder and medical director <laughs> of Restorative Health. Hi, Rita. Hello. <laughs> and we can start laughing right now. It's a mouthful, right? right? Restorative <laughs> Health, Primary Care, and Ketamine Clinic. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Give for full disclosure. Um, and we're going to start off and learn a little bit about Rita and, and restorative health as well. And then we're going to talk a little bit about um, what our experiences is and what our views are, um, especially where the, the future of this form of mental health treatment and medication-assisted treatment from different perspectives um, and, and what that looks like going forward. But uh, let's start off today and give us a little bit of your own history, one with your personal experience, um, how you came to learn about uh, the use of ketamine um, uh, for medical and mental health, and then, you know, talk a little bit about um, what restorative does and kind of get an idea, because well, you, you were just mentioning just a few moments ago that you have somewhere, in the, you have thousands, maybe somewhere around five or 6,000 clients that have come through the doors in one form or another over the past few years. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get here, Rita? <laughs> How did I get here? I wonder that myself. Um, <laughs> so my journey with ketamine uh, as a therapeutic tool started from a standpoint of pain management. Um, I have um, struggled with fibromyalgia since I was 23. Hmm. When um, symptoms first started, I thought I was going to end in a wheelchair. They came on so hard, so fast, and were absolutely debilitating, and that was really scary. Hmm. And, of course, I ran the gauntlet of all the tests, and they told me that, you know, I didn't have anything wrong with me <laughs> that they could find on a, you know, on a picture or blood work like they do. And, uh, hmm. you know, luckily it was not, um, it was far enough into this generation, I guess, that fibromyalgia was actually recognized as a thing instead of just female hysteria and something in your head. Yeah, um, thought of, I mean, th th thought of as a um, more of a psychological issue. Yeah, more of a bogus thought, like, oh, you need therapy. So, yeah. um, you know, I was sent to a pain management specialist, a rheumatology specialist, and their solution were pills that even they admitted, really, there's no medical backing up that these medications are going to help your system mm -hmm. but it was more like hey good news is you're not going to die um this isn't going to kill you um you feel better now right we do have a name for that mm -hmm. <laughs> and i think that's a lot of what happens and as a patient uh it was frustrating and relieving to mm -hmm. hear that i i you know i wasn't going to end up debilitated or something that was going to kill me sure um, and did you have a sense of validation that they, there was... That there was something wrong? At, at no point did anybody tell me that there wasn't something wrong with me because of the severity and onset of my symptoms. Okay. And it, I I have not been somebody who um, has struggled with depression. 
Hmm. Um, other than, you know, a couple instances of situational depression, which is not something you medicate away, you find your way through it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. We all have situations that make us feel really sad or wanting to curl up in a ball for a while. Sure. Well, and uh, I think the important point of that is, I'm glad you brought that up, is this idea that actually depression is in some ways normal. It's part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's when it, it's when it massively interferes with your ability to participate in life at the level that you want to and interferes with your functional ability to take care of yourself and that kind of stuff that, you know, we end up with a problem. So anyway, fast forward, it's like, Hey, here's a couple pills. I'm like, eh, Let's just see what we can do. Um, so I went the route, you know, standard flow sheet. Allopathic medicine didn't have a way to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to the more holistic and natural path and, you know, vitamins and that kind of stuff, lifestyle changes. Um, eventually, I, I got connected with um, a really brilliant um, naturopathic physician that probably saved my life in a lot of ways because of where my health and fatigue was at and over time he just kept telling me you need ketamine (laughs) and i thought he was completely bananas because my (laughs) only experience with ketamine was getting dosed at a club Mm -hmm. and that was a very 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 uncomfortable disorienting not fun experience Uh, that I couldn't understand how there could possibly be any therapeutic value in what I had experienced with that. Yeah. Um, So I was pretty resistant. That and the cost. The cost of ketamine treatments, you know, were five to seven hundred dollars. And those were like the cheaper places in Utah. Yeah. Um, And about what time? How long ago was this? So it was when I was in the middle of grad school. So Mm -hmm. I want to say probably 2016. 2016. Yeah, about, okay. about uh, summer 2016 time frame was when it got recommended to me. And I kept trying different things. And um, we'd also kind of developed a friendship at that point. I'd, I'd stopped seeing him as a physician years before that. He'd moved and then come back. And so we reconnected. And at that point, I was joining the medical field. And so we were interacting, you know, more like colleagues, um, which was fun. But I would bring up stuff and he's like, you need ketamine. I was like, nope. And then he's like, and you need ketamine. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Listen, I have an experience with it and it's not positive. I can't imagine anything else. Right. right. So finally, after I finished grad school and I was licensed and he was moving to Oregon, he's like, are you going to let me like just try this? So I finally agreed. Um, after watching, sitting in on some other treatments that he'd done, mm-hmm. um, that patients with consent had allowed me to be in. And I finally agreed to do it. And it, I would love to say that it was like in that moment, life changing, but it wasn't, it was an interesting experience, mm-hmm. but it wasn't scary. Mm-hmm. Um, my brain found a very peaceful place to go. Um, I'm and assuming you did, I, was it IV or I am mm-hmm. at the time? IV push. Okay. Yeah. IV. So the, the form of ketamine that I was introduced to was when ketamine goes straight into your vein very, very quickly over about a four minute period or less. Okay. And so you're here holding someone's hand one minute and you're in a completely different place uh the next and that place that my brain went to was, it was peaceful. It was interesting. I can't say that I had any grand ahas out Mm. of it at all but it wasn't scary which was the biggest concern for me um 
So would you say that that first experience changed your attitude, changed your mind or attitude a little bit about? It? I think it, it changed my attitude in in that like ah I can see where this can be a therapeutic tool. Okay. Yeah. I was a personal trainer when I got hit with fibromyalgia. I ran six days a week. I lifted four days a week. I was very active. I was out dancing with my best friend four nights a week. I was super physically active, which was part of the reason it was really terrifying Mm -hmm. to experience something that I felt like it was going to put me in a wheelchair. And (laughs) over time, I had to give up physical activity. Um, So I changed careers. That, that is the whole reason I changed careers. That's the whole reason I went down a nursing path. Um, but I loved working out, and I missed it so much. And mm. I started dating the guy that is my business partner now um, shortly after or right around that first ketamine treatment. And he worked out every day, and he would invite me to go to the gym. And I would usually say no. And eventually, after the treatment... And I moved somewhere closer. I would just go to the gym with him and hang out. But once I was there, it was really hard not to work out. Not to do something. Yeah. Uh, And so I started just playing around with weights. And he'd look at me and be like, that's it? I'm like, well, yeah, if I do anything more, like, I won't be able to move tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you? And so I started just pushing myself more Mm -hmm. and more and more and lifting to a full level that I would normally lift (laughs) and I could still move and I didn't end up in bed and my body wasn't on fire for four days and I wasn't massively fatigued. And so I was like, wow, okay, there's like something to this. Something has changed. Something has changed. Mm. You know, you'd invite me to go on hikes and I'm like, yeah, you know, if it's a flat, like always that hesitation. If it's a flat surface, I can go, but you know, like, well, let's just try this. You know, you can tell me when you're done. And I started being able to be physically active and not hurt and noticing over time, oh, I'm sleeping. My brain feels clearer. I'm not foggy headed. Hmm. I can remember things. Um, I have energy. And so it was much subtler for me than for Hmm. a lot of people. It wasn't like I came out of this treatment and I'm like, oh, I don't hurt anymore. It was more a feeling of lightness, Mm. brighter, clearer, my brain works, my body works. Um, I I would always describe just just general ill feeling as fibromyalgia yuck. And anybody who has fibromyalgia knows what that is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that, like, cleared. And that wasn't holding me back. And so... I was like, there is something to this and I want to learn how to do this because I've always been involved in pain management as a Mm -hmm. nurse. Um, I think when we introduced, um, we didn't really go into my background and credentials. So I am an advanced practice nurse practitioner, Mm -hmm. uh, APRN, um, and so my background initially is in nursing. And I had a specialty in pain management. And that was where my passion is because... I wanted to help people that hurt like I did to find a space where they didn't hurt or could at least function in life. And so that is how I got originally involved in ketamine. Um, That was in 2017. Dealing dealing with your own pain management. Mm -hmm. 
And that's evolved, I'm guessing, over time is how mm-hmm. it's treated with ketamine mm-hmm. because I, I know that there have been people that come in for quite a few hours, <laughs> yep. you know, <laughs> quite a few days in a row, um, yeah. having had my office being yeah. next, to, <laughs> next to it, next yeah. to the, a few of <laughs> those with, patients. Dealing with those, yeah. yeah. So, um, in, so my experience with ketamine was in 2017, uh, the end of August of 2017, and... Um, at this same time, Spravato was getting attention Mm. and Spravato, I think hit the market, what, March of 2018 around there. And then ketamine boomed as far as its attention goes. Um, I, oddly enough, my biggest hesitation in getting involved in ketamine (laughs) was my inability to place IVs because I never had to do it as a nurse. So one day I decided that. So full disclosure, I never would have known that having, you know, uh, full disclosure, um, I've had a few IVs placed by Rita. Um, And so I was like, oh, she's a master. (laughs) I taught myself things that I am afraid of. I do not did not stop me from doing it. So that was kind of the holdback as well as just like figuring out how to how to get access to ketamine um, and having the space to do it. So, uh, me and William started restorative health in May of 2018, really slow, you know, just kind of side gig appointments in the evening, weekends, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in January of 2019, I was licensed in Idaho and we'd met a group of cool kids at a bar who were super interested in what we did. They all had fibromyalgia and some anxiety, depression stuff going on that all kind of linked together, and they wanted to become our patients. And they, we said I'd come up there for a weekend, and they got eight patients lined up two days in a row of that, and I just had to go figure out how to place IVs. <laughs> so that was that was your that was, pro- that was your proving yeah, testing ground. That, is was, what I'm that was me. So as far as like getting heavily involved, in, like really getting involved in ketamine, uh, was January two thousand nineteen. Wow! And since then, it's just kind of exploded. And Spravato really put at the forefront of everybody's attention ketamine for depression. And while I got in for the into yeah. this for pain management, and every single one of those patients up in Idaho was a pain management patient, mm-hmm. they were also reporting the difference in, you know, their mental health and how mm-hmm. they were feeling, um, because pain is debilitating mentally as well, mm-hmm. um, and there's a level of depression and anxiety that come with it around that, and your inability to do the things that you love, as well as that fear of pain escalating and not being able to have it be a manageable space. So my passion for ketamine started with pain management yep. because it changed my life. I got my life back. I was in the gym every day. I could go on hikes. Yep. I was paddleboarding. And in 2018, I skied for the first time in 20 years, the day before I drove to California, and I didn't hurt. Yeah. And I was able to make that drive without yeah. any issue. And so do you, do you that think, was why. Do you think we should explain what... Uh... Savato is in the sense yeah. of the S ketamine <laughs> yeah. and, and that kind of so, aspect of. I'll give you my take on this, and I apologize to any pharmacists and any big pharma. <laughs> yeah. I am not a conspiracy theory yeah. person when it comes to big pharma. I'm kind of there. Um, ketamine is a generic drug. It's mm-hmm. um, by drug class. It's a disassociative anesthesia. Yep. It has been around as an anesthetic since. 
uh, the early 1960s. Yeah. It was used in the field of Vietnam to get yeah. people out of pain and stabilize as fast as possible, keep them quiet with a broken bone, you know, whatever it took. And the reason it could be used in a, in an outpatient, like in a field setting, yeah. is it doesn't suppress your drive to breathe, it doesn't drop your heart rate, and it doesn't drop your blood pressure. Yeah. And so it was a medication that was safe to use out there in the field without an anesthesiologist, yep. without even I, I, you know, a licensed DEA provider. Um, it could just be handled by medics and yeah. nurses. And so... And still is, by the way. Is. It yeah. still is. It's one of the most widely used anesthetics <laughs> yeah. in the world. And that is, and that aspect of it is why we can use it in an outpatient setting. Yeah. Our licensing, nurse practitioners, physicians, PAs, um, it allows us to administer ketamine at a sub-anesthesia level. We yeah. are not allowed to use it as an anesthetic. Right. Um, that being said, we do have a nurse anesthetist on our staff um, that also kind of gives us that added um, sure. supervision and partnership. Yeah. Um, so ketamine is generic. And what generic means is that it is available very, very cheaply, and the price is not monopolized by one business. At least that's my take on it. Um they started doing studies around 1980s because people were coming back from surgeries saying, what did you give me? I'm no longer depressed or my mood is a lot lighter or for the mm -hmm. days following my surgery, I was expecting to feel foggy and down and sleepy. Mm -hmm. And instead I'm feeling like this brightness and this clearness and you know, what's going on. So they started studying it for depression. Um, but it's generic. Mm -hmm. Even in the 80s, that's over 20 years after it was created. Um, so there's no money in it. There's there, there can't be patented. They can't resell it in a new way because it's generic. And um, one of the ways that they can patent things is to just take part of a medication. This happened with the antidepressant Celexa versus Lexapro. Yep. If you've been in the realm of depression you've probably heard these medications you've probably taken these medications yeah these are all ssris as we yeah selexa generic name is citalopram luxapro which was the follow-up medication to it is s citalopram they took half of selexa the more potent more effective part of selexa mm -hmm. and created luxapro now they were able to sell it again at over $100 a month instead of $4 a month. Yep. Ketamine, same thing happened. They separated racemic ketamine and S-ketamine. They pulled part of ketamine out that they could then patent as S-ketamine generic Spravato brand name. Right. Head-to-head -head studies showed that racemic ketamine was way more effective, but they can't patent that one. Nope. So gotcha. Spravato became patented. In addition to that, they put a bunch of restrictions on this medication. One is that it has to be prescribed by a psychiatrist, mm -hmm. that it is only for treatment-resistant depression, and that you have to have tried at least two other medications at their max level and failed them before you can start this medication. It's about $1,000 a pop, and yes, insurance covers it. After you jump through all the hoops, you meet your deductible and your copay for medications. Yep. It has to be prescribed by a psychiatrist. You have to stay in the psychiatrist's office for medical monitoring for two hours after you get it. And it's half as effective as ketamine. Yeah. So that is Spravato. But hey, it got ketamine a whole lot of attention. It did. It did. And at our clinic, you can dig your entire ketamine treatment for $250 with 
the effective version of ketamine, mm-hmm. or you can probably pay three fifty to four hundred for your deductible and get Spravato at a psychiatric office. Yep. But you must have the diagnosis of treatment resistant depression. Yeah. yeah. So. So that's the difference with those. I went on a ramble. Thank you. No, no, you. That was great <laughs> because people ask me all, yeah. this question all the time, yeah. and I have a client right yeah. now um, yeah. who is using that, and um, they, you know, they have concerns about it, yeah. even though they also have done IM yeah. often on for yeah. a long period of time. Yeah. So. The advantage of Spravato, and, and please, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying not to do Spravato. Mm-hmm. If you have the ability to access Spravato in a way that is affordable for you and more yeah. affordable for you than a ketamine treatment, please do it. Yeah. Um, my understanding is Colorado Medicaid covers it. Um, I've heard some patients report like here that they they can get it for like the $20 copay or something like yeah. that. So if that's your financial realm that you can access it, I'm not saying don't do it. Yeah. I'm I'm saying if somebody says my your insurance will mm-hmm. cover that, be very very careful about the questions that you ask your insurance mm-hmm. that you are not getting a thousand dollar bill for five months in a row because your deductible is five thousand dollars. Thank you so much for giving some detail and some background on that. And yes, there are plenty of people that have enough already conspiracy theories uh, well embedded into any big pharma discussion and. Maybe some of it's deserved, maybe some of it's not, yeah. but um, as far as uh, being a practitioner who um, works with people um, that use ketamine as far as, uh, especially in my practice, uh, we call them CAP sessions or ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, um, I'm grateful for you know the opportunity that it provides for them, and also it's rather inexpensive, generally mm-hmm. speaking, mm-hmm. so... Yeah. Um, the, something you, you brought up and uh, this idea of how it started for you in addressing some pain management issues. And you had, um, you, your doctor had been, for a while, had been t- trying to nudge you in this direction. Right. I don't know how yeah. forceful uh, they were. Um, but at some point, you finally yeah, said, I'll agreed. do it. Yeah. yeah. Is it? And I asked you, I said, it's kind of different now, often how it's used in pain management. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just how much more research has, has been coming out around this. But I, I do know that, as you know, I was kind of joking with you a little but bit. I've seen clients hours. come in yeah. for long periods yeah. of time, maybe four yeah. hours mm-hmm. and multiple days in mm-hmm. a row. Yeah. What's changed with ketamine and pain management? So I think it's not so much what's changed is that ketamine, when Spravato came out, got the booming attention of mood disorders, right? Right. And, and I am not a True. psych specialist, and if I'm referring to these these conditions inappropriately, I apologize. Um, but, you know, it got attention for, obviously, depression, suicidality, mm-hmm. bipolar-type depression. That's It's the only medication that's been, you know, studied outside of lithium that really show that it helps with bipolar depression. Mm-hmm. Um PTSD, you know, all of these things were getting a lot of attention. It's actually been studied for pain probably sooner than depression or around similar time frames. Um, and originally, the number one pain condition that it was studied for, based that I can find with my research, was CRPS, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. Okay. 
if you have it or know somebody around it, you know what I'm talking about. If not, it's probably a pretty obscure concept. But it is a neuropathic pain. It's 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 um, nerve pain that we can't, we've done all the studies, we've looked at everything, you are no longer injured, your body has healed, and you are still getting this massive pain signal. All of your pain fibers are participating in this pain cycle that they don't need to be yelling at you about. Is this something that's, um, where uh, high doses of gabapentin have been used mm -hmm. to treat? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Gabapentin, gabapentin, Lyrica, um, and probably lesser known and lesser used because of its association with opioids is mm -hmm. actually uh, tramadol or Altram. Mm -hmm. yeah. It actually has a long-acting um, version that is really rarely prescribed and really rarely seen um, that is uh, actually fairly effective for nerve pain. But outside of that, we really just don't have much for nerve pain, and opioids yeah. aren't it. Um, no. I, <laughs> I think I think, that, think enough research has been done on opiates now. Right. Um, you know, but that being said, like when you're in pain, you're kind of desperate, right? And yeah. what, what opioids can do is help you care less about the fact that you're in pain, mm -hmm. which is also their danger. Yeah. You know, um, j disclaimer on my end, I am not scared of opioids. I am not against opioids. Mm -hmm. I will prescribe them in an appropriate setting. Mm -hmm. I do recognize their dangers and I understand 100% that they um, can wreak havoc in people's lives when not used appropriately and not supervised appropriately. Yeah. But I don't think that we should be throwing opioids out just because no. we've created a problem by not respecting it appropriately. Yeah. So that's that's my well, disclaimer. Well, there's a there's a there's a there's sociocultural issues yeah. a, around yeah. the addiction yeah. problem here and the dislocation associated yeah. with that. Why? Yeah. Which uh, is people why use any substance at all. People yeah. in pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, right? yeah. 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 So back to pain and CRPS. So it got studied heavily for CRPS in hospitals. Mm -hmm. um, it started off with people coming in there and running like drips, like long drips for like 24 hours. Oh. Um, and um, over time, they were able to narrow it. This is my synopsis and understanding of scanning research. So please don't quote me on this. Do your own research on it. Um, but over time, they realized that lesser time frames could mm -hmm. still get them just as good results. Mm -hmm. Because how do you get insurance to pay for somebody to come do a <laughs> IV drip for 24 or 48 hours in a hospital? Yeah. Right? Or daily drips for 30 days. Yeah. Um, so that's how it started off treating some of these pain conditions. And then that shift into fibromyalgia is in that neuropathic pain list, right? Okay. Um, neuropathy, either from diabetes or from, you know, accidents, damages, sure. um, frostbite, um, uh, phantom limb. These are all mm -hmm. rogue nerve firing. Mm -hmm. Um, there's nothing to cure. We can't make the pain away because there's nothing to stitch up yeah right and so we've got or to remove, get these really. right yeah so we've got to get these nerves to quit yelling at your brain that you're in pain mm -hmm. and so that's where ketamines come into place okay. um it binds to those pain fibers sending those pain signals and quiets them down so that they stop yelling at nice. you that you're in pain um so the four hour drips for the the more standard protocol that came out was um to do four hour iv drips mm -hmm. for four days in a row um, and that was became more of a standard of practice, mm -hmm. and that was something that could be done in an outpatient setting, at you know these retreat places, and people are again the affordability of it not there. Mm -hmm. You know they're paying 
thousands of dollars to go do these things. And ketamine's generic. Ketamine itself is quite cheap. And so really you're paying for the facility and for the staffing time and supplies, yeah, you sure. know, but it's not, There's that, overhead that yeah, it's not that ketamine too. costs hundreds of dollars. It's yeah. that the staffing and the licensing and, and the room and the electricity and all of these things cost money. And for us that are, you know, in business need all of that paid. Plus we need a salary of our own. Um, so what, this is, we're not, this is an all community right, service. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, it's not. I, I want to help people so bad, but I, um, also, you know, need my grad loan bills paid. <laughs> so, you know, the government still wants their money. Um, that is true. and, uh, I, I do have to have a degree in order to do this. Um, so more recently there, so there's been. 2020 cons- psychiatric 2020 consensus guidelines have come out mm-hmm. on the treatment of mood disorders mm-hmm. regarding yep. ketamine, and there have also come up with 2020 consensus guidelines um, for for pain. Wonderful. Um, yeah. And what a lot of these clinics are finding is that two two hour sessions are just as effective as four four hour sessions. And so why really? would we make somebody pay and come uh-huh. in for four-hour sessions if we can get similar results out of two? Mm-hmm. So why not start there? And so that's what I do with my patients. Okay. For me, one single push every six months keeps all of it at bay. Awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Would love those results for everyone else. But, you know, yeah. I'm not a good example of what ketamine will right. look like for you because I don't want you to get too excited. Yeah. You know? Well, <laughs> but, but, I, I understand that everyone's yeah. not the same, but that, yeah. as far as your, this is maintenance yeah. when you say, yeah, yeah, that's one push every six, mm-hmm. every six one months? One treatment every six months. Okay. Okay. And, um, so I always, even pain patients, ketamine's a very weird drug. It's so weird. There is no other way to describe it. And this is really weird, and am I okay are the number two things people ask when they're doing a treatment. So we just start with an introductory treatment and see how you respond to that. If you respond to a one-hour, just, you know, 30-minute drip and one-hour, you know, session, Mm -hmm. awesome. Why would we do more? But if you don't, you get slight response but not quite, then, yeah, let's look at the longer. Let's Mm -hmm. see how you do with a couple of two-hour sessions. Then if it's like, ah, I feel like, but it didn't quite last, then let's look at the four-hour my approach is always lowest, most effective dose. I want to see what's the lowest dose that you're going to get good results from um, and very much tailor it to you. So even our pain patients, we always start off at just yep. our basic one-hour treatment that we have everybody do. And then reevaluate and, then and reassess re-evaluate, from that. Yeah. Okay. On the mood side of things, there is no evidence out there to show that running an IV longer than 40 minutes has any better effect and yeah. so why would we charge somebody for a two-hour session when right. I know their results are most likely going to be the best at a shorter one? That being said, each person is different. Each treatment is right. different. And I absolutely make the treatment plan based off of what an individual is responding or things that might work best for them. So a lot of people come to um, the idea of using ketamine as a part of their medication-assisted treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, through um, depressive disorders and or suicidal ideation. Um, As far as working with, you know, those clients, uh, same, same protocols as far as starting off, you want to, you want to know where the person's at, um, get sort of a a good enough and thorough enough history to understand um, what the concerns would be. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, the idea when, 
because I know there's this this notion that um, ketamine's only used when all other avenues have been, which then exhausted, which starts yeah. which starts that cycle yeah. of constantly looking for mm-hmm. something, which is what we were talking about with the right. ketamine or the yeah, you know, stravato. Yeah. Um, so how do, how do you approach that in your practice and your clinic? Um, with people that are coming in with depression and some suicidal ideation, um, h- how do you go about that? Because that's probably one of the most common things that people come in for treatment for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, obviously, I can't have people coming in saying, oh, why do you want treatment? Uh, I don't know. I just want to try ketamine. Like, you need to have a reason <laughs> that's medically appropriate, right? But I also think if somebody just wants to try ketamine, they're probably not going to come in and pay $300 for a treatment. Um, <laughs> you know, so most of the time I, you know, I am uh, looking at this from, you know, a standpoint of like, what are you looking to treat? Mm-hmm. What are you um, hoping to gain from it? Because I do want to make sure that you have realistic expectations of this medication mm-hmm. because YouTube videos are going to give you very, very unrealistic expectations of this medication. And I think everybody needs to keep in mind that the YouTube videos, you've got the worst of the worst. Don't ever do this. This should not be legal. This is the most horrible thing ever, you know. And then you've got the 5% of it was amazing. It was beautiful. I'm cured. I had one treatment and life was gorgeous and awesome. Most people are going to fall in a middle ground of that. And usually closer to, ah, I could see where this might be helping me, right? Um, So m- most of my patients probably do come in with already having a psychiatric diagnosis Mm -hmm. and already having tried medications. Mm -hmm. The other smaller subset are people that probably have been referred to by their therapists or um, friends or family or have done their research because they're looking for that last push to get them final clarity on what they need Mm -hmm. to do with life. Um, I'm just going to kind of explain what I explain to patients when they first come Mm -hmm. in. So ketamine by drug class is a disassociative anesthesia. The way that it works as an anesthetic is it blocks the communication between your body and your brain's interpretation center. So while the medication is in your system, your brain is getting decreased input from your body and outside world. It's not used to this. Without that (laughs) input, it thinks it doesn't have a body and wanders off on an adventure. Mm-hmm. That adventure can be anywhere from terrifying to epically beautiful. Mm-hmm. Most people land in the realm of, this is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally, one of the interpretations your brain can make when it can't find your body is that you're dead. Yep. And that can feel really scary. And I've started telling patients that, not to scare them, but because when that's happened to them, they've told me when they come out, it helped. Rita yep. told me that this would happen. I'm mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Um, because I also tell them, like, your body is supporting you. You're breathing. Your heart's beating. You will come back. No matter how far you wander, you will come back. Whether you want to or not, you will come back. (laughs) Because that is the other thing that happens. People are like, I was in this really beautiful, peaceful place. Or I died. And that felt good. And then I came back. Um, And by the way, you're going to come back. (laughs) Sometimes some of the language that you use around the the death experiences um, or an ego death. Ego death. death. The psychedelic world is the ego death term. Yeah, Yeah. dissolution. Ego dissolution. This this idea of separating from the personal uh, ego identity Uh is what we're talking about because of what 
a sense of losing our right. form, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. to speak, yeah. you know, or our yeah. conception of what the form of who I am um, you know? is. Yeah. So that separation that it gives from your body also allows you to detach from the emotional and physical response to trauma mm. or lets you step out of the tornado and see the horizon. Yeah. And you can step right back into that tornado if you want, but you can also change course if you want. And that's the clarity that ketamine can provide. So the other thing and the primary reason that we're actually doing ketamine is to regrow neural connecting sites as well as make new ones. And that will happen whether you dissociate or not. The dissociative aspect of it is a side effect. It's not actually why we're chasing it. It's not actually why it works. That being said, it can have some really significant benefits when you can get some separation and perspective. Mm -hmm. And so while our clinic doesn't chase it, we don't prevent it either. Um, And we help people see, find that balance of being present enough Mm -hmm. to work through things and get perspective while being detached enough to get perspective. And ultimately, that's our goal when you're working through getting clarity on things. So ketamine, even a single treatment, maybe you're looking at a divorce Mm -hmm. or you just don't know where your relationship needs to go next. Right. Doing a ketamine treatment for a lot of people can give them perspective of how to move forward by clearing the clutter, by turning the light on in the room for you. Mm -hmm. You still need to engage in it. You still have to take the steps. You still got to open the door, right? Um, But ketamine provides that. And so... I don't require people to be at their wits end to do ketamine. Yeah. I don't require that they've done multiple sessions of therapy mm-hmm. or that they've tried multiple medications or that they're on medications right now. Um, and the reason why, the neural regrowth and new growth. In order for your nerves to talk to each other, you have to have neurotransmitters. They bridge the tiny little gap from one nerve to the next that allows signal to pass from one to the next to the next. Our current understanding of depression is that there aren't enough neurotransmitters or you can't use them. And this happens because if you're not using those connecting sites, they start to shrivel mm-hmm. and they get smaller and smaller yep. and smaller. What does that mean? There's a giant gap between yep. connecting sites. Yeah. This is about when we go see a medical provider, standard of care is to put you on a SSRI. What that does is boost the amount of serotonin floating around in your system available to be utilized. Well, right. great. Now we've got all the, all the, you know, neurotransmitter floating around, giving us all the nasty side effects and none of the benefit because we can't use it. We can't yeah. store it. We can't use it. It's just floating around, binding to other places that give us stomach aches and dry mouth and feeling numb and... You know, these types of things because our body can't use it in the way that it's intended because those connecting sites have shriveled too much. One of the most common things I think I hear and a lot of people hear is I didn't used to be like this. Mm -hmm. I used to enjoy these things. Eventually, they forget that they ever enjoyed those things. Yeah. Um, The joy and the pleasure often have receded in their life for, for numerous reasons. But the idea that when the, the receptor sites themselves 
shrivel up or become damaged in some way and are not able to even receive the serotonin and have it lock in like uh-huh. in this little key yeah. locking mechanism yeah you can you can have all the Serota- yeah the, the the synapse gap can be filled with all kinds of neurotransmitters but if it can't lock in yeah it won't make that signal pass right, right? yeah so ketamine regrows those connecting sites so that they can actually connect mm-hmm now that extra serotonin or what serotonin you do have in your body can actually be used. And so I really think that in medicine, we're doing this backwards. Yeah. I think we need to do ketamine first, get those neural connecting sites regrown and ready and able to utilize those neurotransmitters to connect and then determine what medication makes the most sense for these people. You know, there's, there's a point here that, um, that just circles this is the idea too, because I've had numerous clients, especially that have gone through the IV process of ketamine treatment, where their baseline of the medications they were previously taken changes due to that neurological shift and change that's happening that you just you just described. Mm-hmm. And when you have a new baseline, then the the medications need to be reevaluated, at least from a dosage perspective, because um, some people don't need the same the same dosage, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a fascinating aspect to um, the use of ketamine, just for finding what that new baseline yeah. is. And I think that's, you know, from your perspective, you said right at the beginning of that that was that I wish they would start with ketamine and sort of rewire and um, get get the uh, neurology in a place where it's more receptive to mm-hmm. the medications before we yeah. just start dumping them right. all in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also like determining if we even need this, right? Because most people, I would say that if you ask them if it's unresolved trauma mm-hmm. or depression, it's most of the time it's unresolved trauma. Something somewhere along the line put them in fight or flight yeah. for so long that they completely depleted their body of all of their resources. Yeah. And maybe that trauma has stopped. Maybe they've even been able to heal mentally and stop being hypervigilant and stop being in that fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. But their nerves never got a chance to heal and so they can't use what's there. Um depression that's like genetic that shows up around puberty you've always had it nothing bad happened i don't know why i just everything started losing interest and i started feeling right. sad that's more of a genetic aspect of it yeah. right but for the rest of the other people something happened whether it was a car accident yeah you know like i mean it could have been a physical trauma not a mental trauma right that still is like something happened that made them burn through everything mm-hmm. A loss of a parent, even if it was expected, right? Like, even like, yeah, maybe maybe your parents are supposed to die at 95. Yeah. These are things I don't want to think about because it's 10 years away from sure. my parents, you know? But it still puts you in a space yeah. where you're in this hyper-caregiver aspect. Maybe it wasn't your trauma, but you took on someone else's yeah. care while they went through something and you got exhausted. You know, that brings up a really powerful point, too. I think this notion about losing a parent... Um, actually that maybe um, starts experiencing dementia mm-hmm. and it's over a, maybe a year Years, period of time. Yeah. And that's, that trauma um, it's is so, so, it's so draining and yeah. it's so similar to other types of trauma right. that uh-huh. happen throughout life. Right, except that you 
think that you should be able to do this for your parent and you have your own guilt trip about how would I even resent or feel tired about this my mom took care of me for so long why wouldn't I do this right and so we have that like added personal guilt thing on top of it and that it's not okay to recognize that it is exhausting to be a caregiver and it is okay to feel relieved to not be caring Yeah. I'm curious so. what your thoughts are about um, the correlation, because we kind of got a pretty broad canvas going here. The correlation <laughs> with um, trauma and especially autoimmune issues mm-hmm. and diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be so much coming out about this now that, um, that to treat... Um, autoimmune diseases yeah. uh, from the perspective of trying to find a pill to fix it um, instead and sometimes even this notion that uh, that something else somewhere along the way that this or this is just who you are and that you have to just learn to live with it right, like yeah. the yeah, my response is there's ketamine for that. Yeah, there's ketamine for that. Yeah, there's ketamine. <laughs> our, our, our office has this ongoing like, it sounds like a joke, and it sounds yeah. irrele- irreverent, and we're not sure how to do it, but anytime, like, something comes up, we're like, there's ketamine for yeah, that. Right. Like, what you were talking about, yeah. like, that screening process, yeah. you know, autoimmune, yes, because ketamine helps with inflammation. Yeah. It helps to shut down that body's attack. Um, and the correlation and, between trauma and autoimmune, and autoimmune is immune. direct. It's so direct, it's so because direct. when something... I think psychologically happens or something physically happens that we don't handle, mm-hmm. our body tries to get our attention, you know, and starts attacking us. And so um, getting a handle on that and learning how to calm it and having a conversation with your body that like, I hear you, I'm mm-hmm. going to try and support you. Yeah. Um, I know for me, it's taken, and I don't know when that switch happened, but it's more recent. I used to refer to myself as broken. You know, whenever, mm-hmm. why can't you do that? Yeah. I, and I, I would say that I was broken, mm-hmm. and I would say that my body hates me. And I'm sure that that was not a good thing for my body to hear, right? It wasn't helpful, if nothing else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, but I think that is how a lot of people feel. Like, they feel betrayed by their own body mm-hmm. when it's not performing at the level that yes. they want or need it to, right? Or, or just feels literally incapable yeah. of. And when they can't do all the things that they used to do and want to do. Um, and part of is, is I, I say this to my patients all the time, be gentle with yourself mm-hmm. and just thank yourself for showing up. Mm-hmm. Like you showed up, you're doing something here and, and that's huge. Um, so, um, I think that's a big deal, but I think there is an absolute correlation. And again, there's ketamine for that. <laughs> there's ketamine Let for your that. body rest. <laughs> there's decrease, an app for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Decrease mm-hmm. the inflammation. And for some people, ketamine is not the answer for nope. pain, no. but it helps with the depression that's come from living with a chronic condition. So to circle back, I will treat almost anyone with ketamine if there is a possibility that it could help them. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, yeah, I'm coming in for this, but I've got all of this, like, you know, going along for myself. Until more recently, I didn't realize that I used to live at an anxiety level of 7 out of 10 all the time. I just thought I was somebody that knew all the things that could go wrong and was prepared for them. You know. So you, you thought? <laughs> did you did you uh, qualify hypervigilance as a, a positive trait? In Probably. Some ways? Yeah. yeah. 
You know, yeah. like, yeah, I just happen to know like this, this and this. And now I have all the solutions for it. And it's all just like, but just, oh, my gosh, you know, just mm. that feeling of impending doom all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I didn't really notice the anxiety until it escalated to what is somebody going to die? I know that somebody is going to die. Mm. I, I mean, the fact that I worked in hospice for 17 years probably didn't help that. But, um, <laughs> you know, just that yeah. feeling and it would escalate. And after I did ketamine, that went away. Hmm. I probably live my life at a one out of 10 anxiety level now. And most of the time, if I'm feeling anxious about something, I'm able to check in with me and go, is there something I need to pay attention to? Mm-hmm. Is there something that I'm not handling in my life mm-hmm. that I have the ability to handle? Mm-hmm. Or am I just being ridiculous right now? And I'm saying, please know that I'm not t- saying that people that have that are anxious are being are being ridiculous. Yeah. Right. But I can I can check in with my own self and be like. That's a personal observation right. statement. Like, it's not, you know, what, yeah. what, you know, like what, what is it about go through the category of life and people and whatever. And like, there's nothing there, mm-hmm. you know, chill out. Anxiety has a place, right? It helps keep us safe um, in appropriate situations. You know, you're out in the woods completely alone at dusk <laughs> and you hear very giant paws around. This is something appropriate to feel a little anxious about and do something about, right? <laughs> but if you're walking down a city street, do you need to be looking for a cougar? Probably not. You know, same same concept. And so ketamine, and this is what I've noticed with my patients with anxiety and with PTSD. Ketamine gave me this sense of it's going to be okay. Yeah. So that I didn't have to spend all my time wondering about the what ifs, just knowing that I had what it took to handle whatever came along. Hmm. Because people come to me in their 40s, 50s, 60s that they've lived in this insane state of anxiety all of their life. And I'm like, guess what? And you've stayed alive the whole time. Yeah. So we don't need to worry about that part. Yeah. Right? You've been able to handle whatever came along. Mm-hmm. You just happen to also be exhausted because you burned up all of your resources worrying about what might happen yeah. rather than saving them for what will. Yeah. You know? And so ketamine is really, really amazing for giving you this sense of... I've got this. Hmm. doesn't really matter what happens. I'm going to handle it as I come along. And it also then helps to prevent those self-fulfilling prophecies. Because when you're constantly focusing and saying this is going to happen, whether it's a relationship, I know you're going to leave me, I know you're going to leave me, I know you're going to leave me. Well, guess what? Eventually that person gets really, really tired of telling you, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And eventually they kind of do with probably you slamming the door in their face and then getting really, really, really mad at them that they left you. Like, really? You know, and so trying to avoid those self-fulfilling prophecies of things that we're not really wanting to happen, but also being open to, could that be such a bad thing? Would it be okay Mm -hmm. if this relationship or this business relationship or job changed? I I had a job where I had to go to therapy just to show up and not, I would have a panic attack just driving into the parking lot. Why did I think that I had to stay at that job? I was a nurse. There was unlimited other jobs that I could go to, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think sometimes we need that perspective of possibility, just that space of possibility. And I tell so many of my patients when they're like, what should, you know, what should my intention be? And we kind of like talk about what, what and why they're looking to do ketamine. And that is probably an intention Mm -hmm. that I offer them if it resonates with them, right? To just, how about just the space of possibility? Because sometimes our brains can't accept that you need to change jobs. Or it's okay for this relationship to end. Yeah. Like, 
right? We don't we don't want to do something that's going to get us hissing in feral cat mode, right? You're just going <laughs> to fight it, right? You're just going to panic about even going into ketamine because, like, what if this makes me change what I believe yeah. in? It doesn't. It doesn't change who you are. It just opens you up to a space of possibility that it's okay for this relationship to shift. Yeah. That could be a positive thing. And just shift we don't know what that shift yeah. is right just this space of possibility you know maybe you take a different position within the job that you mm-hmm. have or maybe you just open up the possibility that it's okay yeah. to change positions it's okay to move it's okay to have a conversation and for me what i like a resounding theme is you get to have a voice yeah i like that notion too i think that's really important rita this idea of allowing ourselves to be curious mm-hmm. that it's okay to be curious and I really see ketamine as something, especially in this, from my perspective in psychotherapy, is it creates this opportunity where sometimes narratives or stories, which have felt so fixed and concrete for so long, become more mutable or, or more malleable. Mm-hmm. And they're easier to change if need be, or at least be curious about what other options are. And I think uh-huh. that's what you're yeah. partly what you're speaking yeah. to. Yeah. And and you know when you're talking about medications and that kind of stuff, like also be open to the possibility that these medications are something that you do need. Yeah. But we're gonna actually help them work now. Yeah. Right. And so for people that do still have long term depression, what I've found is that. Just like putting them on five milligrams of Lexapro is just enough, just enough of a boost to help keep their depression at bay, you know, because they're just not quite making enough. Or, yeah, sometimes we remain in really stressful jobs or we have a really stressful health condition Mm -hmm. that's going to continue to deplete us faster than we make. So it's okay to need support. And if that is an antidepressant that actually has a chance at working now, Mm -hmm. great. Let's do that. There's nothing wrong with you being on medication. And to clarify, I never tell people to get off of their medications. If they choose to do that, great. I tell them to do that with their doctors. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's helpful when you come off of it. You also get an idea of whether or not something was working. Yeah. You know, I have an example of that with thyroid medication. I don't ever want to take something that I don't need. Mm -hmm. Right? So, eh, I wonder if this is really doing anything. I'm not really feeling anything. I'm just going to go off my thyroid meds for a while and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not not. Let's talk about what a bad idea that was, right? (laughs) And and so then it was like, okay, this is that's the whole point. You're not supposed to feel it, right? Because you're supposed to feel okay. You're not supposed to feel a heightened anything, right? Yeah. Um. So it's like if you don't notice anything wrong when you're taking your thyroid medication. Take your thyroid medication. That's the whole point. You're not supposed working, to notice. Right, right. right, because it's working. Um, and, you know, same same concept. Obviously, when somebody comes in with depression symptoms, we want to check in, right? We want to make sure they've had some blood work done. We want to make sure that things are look, looked at. Myself, case in point, thyroid. Yeah. I My thyroid tanked. I was in grad school. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. I'm just feeling more and more anxious. I'm not wanting to do anything. I'm struggling to stay on top of school. I definitely have no ability to interact socially because of just the level of fatigue that I'm feeling is just through the roof. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, you're in grad school. You're in grad school. You're sleeping, best case scenario, four hours a, yeah. a day. You know? Um, and my last course was fairly heavy into psych. And they wanted us to take, which I think is 
kind of funny and ridiculous. They wanted us to like do self exams, right? The PHQ nine and the yeah, 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 and yeah, these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I you could blue sheet me off of these scores, you know. <laughs> and so well, if you're not I, sleeping, we'll we'll all be blue sheeting. Right. right? And right. so I went and talked to my naturopath, and I'm like, this is what's going on. It's like, didn't you weren't you on thyroid meds for a while for a time? Should we check that? Right? But I went and saw somebody that was willing to be like, let's look at what's going on with you yeah. physically. Yeah. I got back on thyroid meds, and about six, six weeks later, I'm a human that's able to engage and handle <laughs> life and everything, right? But uh-huh. if I'd just gone to a traditional primary care and they'd given me a PHQ 9 and I'm in grad school, and they would have said, let's give you some Lexapro to support you right. for the next six right. months. Right. And that would have made me numb, shut down more, yeah. and never actually get the medical care that I actually needed. Right. So that is something that I am careful with, you know, or pe- and, you know, especially men, like, let's check your testosterone. Mm-hmm. You've been treated for depression for five years and nobody checked your testosterone. It's 128. You're supposed to be 600, you know? So yeah. my, my approach is let's also make sure, yeah. you know, and the whole, uh, you know, there's a Facebook meme that but long ago probably quit going around but before you diagnose yourself with depression let's make sure you're not indeed surrounded by assholes <laughs> and ketamine can give you that clarity of what shifts can i make in my life mm-hmm. and what can i not mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like the mantra the prayer of aa right like i one of my last ketamine treatments i literally had my daughter read that to me you know just getting that clarity of like mm-hmm. You know, what can you change? What can't yeah, you change? Right. And what can you be okay with? And what can you not be okay with? Um, and, and knowing that difference and the power to move forward, right? Yeah. Um, and I think ketamine can really give you that clarity if that's the intention you go into that treatment with and you stay present enough for your brain to still follow a train of thought. Yeah. So you're talking about the serenity prayer, right? Yeah. God yeah. grant me the serenity yeah, sorry. to accept <laughs> the things I can change and, uh-huh. and the things I can't. Yeah. 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 Because and, it's huge. And the wisdom to know the difference. Right. Yeah. And instead, it's ketamine. Grant me the difference. The yeah. wisdom to know the difference, yeah. right? Because ketamine is a tool. It's a highly, highly, mm-hmm. highly effective tool that if you engage in it, mm-hmm. can really help you shift your life in a direction that you're wanting to go. Ketamine's about now what? We're not trying to make anything okay. We're not trying to make anything go away. But we do want to move forward. And when you're ready to move forward, ketamine is a really good place for you. Perfect. All right. Let's let's take a few moments. And um, uh, well, I have a question about ketamine because not everybody not everybody um, has the same kind of experience. So mm-hmm. uh, ketamine is listed, you know, as, as a psychedelic for some people, but again, it depends on the dosage. <laughs> it, is, it is an anesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, that's its primary use. Right. Um, and there has, there is a renaissance that has happened over the past five to six years. I mean, it's been longer than that, but because we, we can go back a few decades. Um, I, grew, I grew up in the, in the first renaissance as a kid um, when psychedelics were being looked at for research um, in the mental health field, and we're, we're back there again. Mm-hmm. Um, ketamine is the only uh, approved um, drug that uh, would be, can fall under that category in, in certain dosages um, because it's... For, like legal psychedelic, you yeah, mean? Yeah, and so um, there are some that are, are coming and are beginning to get legalized in other states. Um, what is just generally your feel or your thoughts about the use of, of psychedelics? And I don't mean... 
you know, for, as far as how you and I go mm-hmm. forward, because we, we can only use what's legal right. where we are yeah. and, and do those kinds yeah. of things. So we can't make any recommendations um, outside of that, <laughs> unless we want to, you know, put ourselves into trouble, <laughs> which I don't, and I know you don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what are, what are your thoughts about this this renaissance that's reoccurring? So... Because it kind of it kind of got fucked up the first time. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. So one, I um, I guess I view all of these as medications, mm-hmm. and I I um, don't love the term psychedelic mm-hmm. because it has a very um, recreational connotation to that term, mm-hmm. rather than a therapeutic connotation to that term right when somebody is taking something to have a psychedelic experience it's usually like and you know listening to music and this and i'm partying and then i think that there are many that do also take it with the intention of recognizing that there is therapeutic benefit in themselves for doing it but there is in general a lack of understanding out there when they hear psychedelic they think rave they think party they think you know these kinds of things and so for me i am looking forward to medications that are currently schedule ones Mm -hmm. like mdma Mm -hmm. um uh psilocybin um lsd Mm -hmm. um even cocaine has its place right um becoming medications that we can say this is safe for you this is a good choice for you at this dose right um and for some people, that may be purely a dose that gives them a little bit of warm fuzzies. That might be a therapeutic right. dose for them, right? Yeah. As for other people, they may need that full ego death, like full and out there for a very long period of time with just someone sitting there making sure that they don't do anything dangerous right. to themselves because they're so awa- right. unaware of their body and their area, right? right. Um, and so I look forward to understanding when that's the going to be the best thing. Mm-hmm. Probably similar in the way that it, we've worked with ketamine with yeah. that. You know, um, very light, gentle doses can be really, really effective when you just need to get clarity on a situation. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to see the puzzle pieces. Yeah. When somebody is actively suicidal, giving them a hard, heavy, fast dose that just snaps mm-hmm. them into a completely different realm in seconds yeah. and then brings them back within 10 minutes is a massive reset and super, super yep. effective. Yeah. And these are things that we're learning through anecdotal evidence and, and being able to experiment with this legal mm-hmm. medication, yeah. right? Um, the illegal aspect of these other medications that have psychedelic components to mm-hmm. them at higher doses, you know, make it more difficult to know how to dose. But LSD, MDMA, like these are things that we can say this milligram amount is in this capsule. Yep. Right. And and so those are going to be the ones that are easier to regulate and right. get us to a space where, you know, this makes sense. Um, and so I, I, I do really look forward to those becoming because they have a place. Um, what I'm not OK with is that they are currently being re- oftentimes referred to as like the SSRIs and the antidepressants and the antipsychotics mm-hmm. are like, oh, those drugs are so evil. Why would they ever? Nobody should touch these. I'm I'm so against that. I I only do you know these safe you know med- medicine like LSD or you know plant medicine or toad poison, and I'm like, 
Just because it's natural doesn't mean yeah. it's not dangerous and that it's not poisonous. Yeah. You know, everything I think has a place in certain doses, even alcohol. Yep. When utilized in appropriate doses can right. be really beneficial for people. Yeah. Um, but it can be taken to the extreme and same with these psychedelics. And I would like to adjust this really quick with ketamine. When ketamine first came out as a medication that be, could be taken home, it was not treated with enough respect. And we are clawing back the clock yep. to try and get ketamine nasal spray and ketamine chokies being treated appropriately with yep. respect. This is a Schedule three drug, meaning the DEA recognizes that it has dangerous potentials. Mm -hmm. It has addictive potentials. It has misuse potentials. You can get addicted to ketamine. That is a thing yep. um, when it is not being used appropriately. And so it does require the supervision of a medical provider to be pretty highly involved. And if your medical provider is saying, actually, based on the latest evidence, we need to pull back the frequency that you're using it, mm -hmm. it's not because they're wanting to treat you as an addict. It's not because they're trying to remove a medication that you think is saving your life. We're trying to keep you safe and we're trying to keep this medication available for as long mm -hmm. as possible because we don't want to the clock to go backwards and have ketamine or fast forward too fast and have ketamine become a Schedule One drug. Yeah. Which, again, did <laughs> so, happen right. you know, yeah. f f five decades yeah. ago, let's right? Use Six decades respect. ago. Yeah. Let's, let's and, use all of these things with respect. Yeah. Let's find out what the safe dose is. Let's find out who it's safe for. Yeah. Um, and I think there's amazing benefit, benefit mm -hmm. um, potential out there with psilocybin and MDMA and LSD. Like, huge. I, I, I agree. Yeah. Okay, um, I know we're we're running out of time. Thank you. <laughs> um, there, there's uh, this aspect of um, of you know working with 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 people and you know looking at this um, from a mental and emotional um, and physical physiological um, basis, um, especially working with with ketamine. Um, really has in many ways changed an, so many people's life. And, but it's not one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And it does need to be addressed. Um, because I, as you know, my, 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 I work with clients doing CAP sessions, ketamine mm -hmm. assisted psychotherapy. And one of the telltale signs is if the, I know there's a problem is when they show up for their session and they had, they've run out of their prescription and mm -hmm. I'm going, okay, so it's time for a break mm -hmm. and um, let's contact your provider. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. and you and I have had these conversations yeah. directly. Yeah. So I, I when, want, when, when you're, when you're finding that you're relying on it too heavily yep. for your mental stability yeah. or for feeling good, Right. Or for not feeling anxious. The quickest solution is a break because you build up a tolerance yep. to this medication really, really quickly. But you can also lose it really, really quickly. And in the doses that it's being prescribed out of my office anyway, you should not have withdrawals. Yeah. And so, yeah, you do have to reset and you do have to shift your relationship yeah. with it. Yeah. And we use ketamine all the time to help people shift their relationship with whatever isn't working for them. We can use ketamine yeah. to help them shift their relationship with ketamine. I've gotten people off of street ketamine using prescription ketamine and then railing it back to the point that they don't 
need any of it right. or they're using it purely for a therapeutic yeah. benefit in appropriate amounts. By the way, I, 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 we, we didn't touch upon that at all, but I love that concept because we could do a show just on street ketamine and the problems <laughs> associated with that. And there's a lot of them. Um, Including death. Yes, because uh, street ketamine is being, la- very, very is being laced with fentanyl. And yeah. I keep my uh, package of fentanyl strips here for those clients that... Um, no, qu- no questions asked, yeah. but I, right. if they need test. it, they need it. Yeah. Um, and I also find that clients really appreciate when I question, you know, you've, you've gone through um, a month's worth of medication mm-hmm. in um, two to three weeks, mm-hmm. and that's not okay, mm-hmm. and it's time for a break. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, I think, the really important part for therapists to know, too, is that developing a close relationship with um, the practitioner and the prescriber is so important truly for the treatment of the client as well and the patient yeah on that please don't set your patients up for failure or a difficult conversation with their provider because as their therapist you've decided that it would be appropriate for them to take three of their trochies (laughs) when it was prescribed as one yes and they're now having to come to me because they're out and they have a trusting relationship with their therapist and they're telling me my therapist told me to take this yeah and Yes, sometimes maybe the therapist being thrown under the bus and the therapist never said that, but that does happen where that does happen. And so my whole thing with working with therapists is please communicate with me. If you feel like your patient needs to do a higher dose in this specific therapy session, please let me know so that you're not creating an embarrassing situation for your patient of them having to say, but my therapist told me. And so, as you know, I create a paper trail with that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You you, you and I communicate. Right, and I love that. I I love working with therapists. I'm flexible. I I know that everybody's different. I want a treatment plan that's very individualized. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, last thing I wanted to share with you really quickly um, is uh, ketamine. I don't know if you know this, but it was recently discovered that it occurs actually naturally in certain fungi um, as a defense mechanism against certain uh, predators huh. that happen to like the like eat a that. molecule that is the same as ketamine. It is. It is ketamine. Interesting. And no, I don't. I, I will send you. We were hearing something about mushrooms and the whatever, but I think I just kind of like checked out because I have really bad ADD. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. what? Okay. So when you send me things to listen to, be like, pay attention when they say this word. Yeah. It'll be yeah. like, boom. <laughs> I, I, I will. Uh, I'll send you the article, okay. and it was, in, and uh, it grows on certain fungi or lichen or something like that. Um, that and it's protected because if the if the animal or the the insect or whatever eats it, um, they kind of go out for a while, <laughs> and then they have a bad reaction, and, they, you know, <laughs> and then they know not to do that. Have, and as humans, bug, why do we bug not has get an this? Ego death and, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, really quick, that I I do want to address because I know this comes up. Yes, ketamine exists as a street drug, just like everything out there that has a mind-altering substance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trazodone for sleep exists as a street drug. So yep. the fact that it's a street drug in itself is not a reason to do or to not do. What is important is to treat these medications with respect and understand them. Yep. And if you're, if they're scheduled by the DEA and you need a medical provider to prescribe it for you, you need to treat it with respect. Yep. Otherwise, it would be available over the counter. Yeah. So that that's that's my biggest thing. And as a med- medical provider, I am very much about treating the individual and I will adjust things based on what makes sense. But please work with me on that. 
And, you know, when you're having conversations with people that are like, why would you do that? This is just like any other prescription. Like it is a prescription medication. It is not illegal um, on on any realm, but it is illegal <laughs> to use it without appropriate medical supervision yeah. outside of its medication. And it needs to be treated with the same respect that opioids yeah. are treated with. Yeah. And Completely. I think that is not out there enough. Treat yeah. it with the same respect that you would treat an yeah. opioid. That that point it is medicine, and yep. it should be, you know, and and by the way, um, especially some of these other substances we've talked about when we were talking about things like mushrooms, um, these, you know, or even ayahuasca, these are uh, medicines that have been around for a long, long time, mm -hmm. and and they've been used culturally for a long, long time, and there is a certain sacredness to them as well. Mm -hmm. We have the whole medical piece of that. But there's also these cultural pieces which are important and need to be respected as well. All right. Now, how do people, if they're interested in um, contacting you and your clinic, what what should they do? <laughs> um, so you can uh, you can call or text our phone line three eight five four four nine zero five six five. Text is a great way like to get a hold of us. Um, but please feel free to call, but text is probably going to get you your fastest response. Although if you're a new patient and don't pop up as an established patient, we do our best to answer the phone as quickly as we can. Not to say that we don't answer calls for established <laughs> patients, but to get scheduled, texting is probably the simplest thing. And yeah, if you're in a really bad space and you're struggling and you don't know what to reach out for. I know that a lot of people don't want to talk on the phone. And so if you feel the safest to interact mm -hmm. with us, at least initially, um, via text, let's do that. Um, you can also go to our website. Uh, I think it's www.restorativehealthprimarycare.com. Sorry about that whole great long thing. I, we <laughs> were not thinking that through when we created it. Um, but on our website is a link that you can say, become a patient. And you can click on request a consult and, and put your phone number in, or you can actually fill out our new patient forms. Um, and as soon as those new patient forms come across, mm -hmm. we'll give you a call as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, and that's you know, all online too. Yeah, that's yeah. all online. So during business hours, we, you know, our, our response rates really quick, but, um, all the phone calls and texts go to my phone. If I have the ability to answer late or you are feeling in distress and want to, you know, get in for an appointment for, you know, at our next opening, like, please don't ever hesitate to reach out at any time. I mean, we get, we get new patient forms and requests and text messages at like 3am, you know, as soon as we're up and able to, we're responding. You're primarily going to hear from William, who's my uh, business partner, mm -hmm. um, and, or me, and then Athena, if you're a new patient, um, and please feel free to text and clarify and say, hey, I'd love to like get more information via text, you know, and I'm not really down for a call or yeah. I, I really would like a phone call as soon as you guys are available. Great. Um, and, and we'll try to accommodate that as best we can. But we have multiple ways to get a hold of us because we know people have different schedules. And um, I think probably one of our most appreciative features that I hear from our patients is our text line and our response rate. Nice. So yeah. do, do give us a second to respond, but we will <laughs> usually respond, you know, hopefully within 15 minutes, but within an hour. Yeah. I can verify that all, all that information is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and if we dropped the ball, I'm sorry, we probably got bombarded or somebody archived a text accidentally. Please don't feel, don't hesitate to be a pest. Like yeah. just reach out. We'll in any way, shape or form, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get you going as fast as we can. Okay. And we really do try our best to fit in, um, emergency, you know, type situations. So, sure. Thank you so much, Rita. I appreciate you doing this and coming on. And I 
I really believe this is from an educational perspective, um, people learning a lot about ketamine and how broad the uses can be and how beneficial it is and also how important it is to do the due diligence around it for ourselves and obviously for your clients yep all right thanks we'll uh we'll be back in a in a couple weeks um and uh i got a surprise guest uh that'll be in coming into town to uh participate in this podcast uh we will go out as we usually do with little joan osborne thanks